Welcome back to Becky All Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. Let's take a look at the latest line moves for Week 13 of the NFL slate. I say let's start with Thursday night football here and uh, go in chronological order, so to speak. Uh, Cowboys, this was a seven and a half point spread here. It had moved to nine and a half, and it's come back down just a little bit to Cowboys minus nine. We've got a total of 47 and a half. Joe, what do you make of uh, a little bit of volatility in this? It, it, it certainly seems like Cowboys, it's the top of the market, and then Seahawks, mm-hmm. it's the bottom of the market. And then in, in sports betting, that would probably say, oh, you got to bet on Seattle, right? You got to take all those points. I'm not suggesting that in any way. <laughs> as bad <laughs> as Seattle is right now, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not doing that. But man, like there are a lot of awful offenses getting a ton of points. Seattle's not as bad as some of these other bottom feeders. But the, the scary part is, and the reason this just keeps heading north, is just the fashion in which uh, the Cowboys are beating up teams that they're clearly better on, better than. Like a month ago, if I tell you, okay, quarterbacks are going to be healthy, so that the injuries are not a thing, this is going to be your number for this game, you would have thought I was, in, I was insane. Mm-hmm. Uh. Well, to steal a phrase from Jason Lockenfora, the Cowboys are punching down. Who have they played? (laughs) They are blowing out some hashtag garbage teams. While the Seahawks may not be absolute garbage, I mean, they they can surprise us sometimes. And and that's fair. But what is Seattle? That's the thing. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. That's the problem I have with this matchup. (laughs) I don't know which version of the Seahawks is going to show up. But, you know, if you're you're blowing out bad teams and now you come and you play a team a little more competitive, I'm curious to see how the Cowboys show up. Are they going to win by margin again? First off, I'm just really jealous of you, Aaron, that you're able to get up out of your chair and demonstrate punching (laughs) down because I feel like I'm tied down with 40 wires here where if I get up or I do one slight movement that, you know, these audio cables don't know about, the whole thing shuts down. So just know how jealous I am of you that you can demonstrate things and I lack any movement in my own box. Yeah, like that's part of it. Yeah, it's AirPod season. I can't do that. Like, my ears are weird. I don't know. They're misshapen. Listen, I've been waiting my whole life to punch down, so I'm glad I got that out of my system. Yes. (laughs) Of course. No, it's all part of it. I understand. I get it. Um, Here's my question, though, when it comes to just looking at the spread of nine right now. Like, first off, I actually disagree with JLC that all they do is punch down. Like, not every team that has a good record uh, but hasn't beaten, like, the best of their conference is punching down. Like, I I don't know if it's that simple. The the whole thing with the Cowboys is they just can't beat the 49ers. Like, they've beaten the Eagles recently. Like, there are only two very good teams in the NFC. Well, the Cowboys have hung with the Eagles, so I don't think it's punching down, per se. Not like the Dolphins or teams like that. But I do wonder, like... With the Cowboys and what they do in garbage time, they don't run the football when they're leading. They still pass. And I don't know if it's necessarily running up the score, but I don't think it's just as simple as saying, all right, well, the Cowboys are power ratings-wise nine points better than the Seahawks. They probably aren't. But what the Cowboys do do is 
they do continue to pass and make sure CeeDee Lamb gets his and Jake Ferguson gets his and some other receiver no one's ever heard of gets his and then maybe Deron Bland gets a pick six and this turns into a blowout. It has less to do with what teams normally do when they're leading and what they normally do in garbage time. It's that the Cowboys do score a good bit more even when they don't have to. And I wonder if that's why the line movement is existing. It's just that realization more than anything else. Maybe they haven't had enough opportunities, but they have not beaten an average team yet. Mm-hmm. Is Seattle average? I mean, that's that's a, when you're betting this and you're trying to figure out what side you like, I, it's a fair question. I think this is more about where Seattle is than where Dallas is because mm-hmm. we know where Dallas is. Like They have the potential to beat you by five, six scores. They beat Washington by five scores uh, on Thanksgiving. There's always that element uh, where they can just crush any point spread. The number probably doesn't matter all that much. But it's just figuring out what Seattle is. Our priors were wrong, but I think most people still thought they're a playoff team. They are still a playoff team right now. But I don't know a lot of people that believe they're going to be a playoff team in the end. But just by being in the mix right now, they are an average team. This number is telling me they're not an average team, though. And that's what I find interesting about when you bring the point spread into it. You think the Chargers or Rams are average? Below, probably. Or just right there. Rams below. Chargers. I mean, it's just the chart. I, what are they? I want them when they're getting points. I don't, I don't want, I don't ever want to take them as a favorite against anybody. I mean, that's just so, how I, they've lost five of seven. Match- yeah. Yeah. For this matchup, don't you think Pete Carroll's going to get the best out of his team? They're on a two game skid. They're, they're not completely out of it. This could be a situation where it's like they're Super Bowl right now. Like they're going to give their all out effort and see how this goes. And maybe that'll determine which version of the Seahawks we get the rest of the season. Yeah. I mean, we might, we might get to, t- we might get a 10 tomorrow. I mean, that's mm-hmm. the interesting thing. If you're thinking about I'll, jumping oh, in. I like, I'll bet them if it's 10 for sure. I'll, I'll be on the yeah. Seahawks side. I think a I lot think of people this would. could be like eight, right. so, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. I think right now my model says nine is about right. And so if there is some movement, then that's when I'm going to pounce. But at this point, mm-hmm. I, I can't go either side here. How about we move on now to the Panthers? Uh, they don't have a coach or they don't have an actual head coach. Uh, Panthers plus six. It has since moved to five and a half. I guess the obvious question here, Joe, is how much does firing a head coach matter in the grand scheme of things? How much should the number move, generally speaking, and why does it or doesn't it matter in this situation? It's not just the head coach. They fired Josh McCown. They fired Deuce Staley. Like, they're all out. It's amazing. Is there anybody left on offense? How many assistants do they have? Do they have, like, a farm system of assistants to bring up? Like, are they just going to move on without them? I don't I don't understand what exactly is happening. Uh, a lot of times there is a feeling that, okay, now you're going to get the best effort. But the best effort out of a talentless team, what does that mean? Does that mean you're going to cover mm-hmm. the point spread in this game? I, I cannot go to with Carolina. I can't. I don't know where you guys stand on this. Um, I understand why people would. Like, I'm not a big believer in the Bucks, But how, it's just about Bryce Young. That's what this is. 
How you get the best out of Bryce Young? I don't know that that's going to be possible this year. And this is not a really fun matchup for him, right? Like there, there's going to be no run game to speak of. It's going to be dependent on his arm, and we still haven't seen it. And he doesn't have t- any talented receivers. And when healthy, that is a pretty decent secondary. We know that you do have to pass on the Bucks to beat them, and we're just asking them to make it a one-score game here. But um, I can't say that this is going to rejuvenate everyone and you're going to get an A-plus effort because I have not seen an A-plus effort all season out of the squad. Yeah, I don't have any confidence in the Buccaneers. I don't want to back them. To me, this feels like a pass. In the off chance that, you know, the Panthers do get some weird kind of boost. I mean, this is a team... I'm probably looking to fade the rest of the season, but maybe something weird happens and they cover the number. I'm probably just going to stay away from this one and not force it. There's just no need to. And Baker seems fine, right? Because I yeah, I had a bet on that game. I was watching that game. He left early, and then Trask came out for a few plays. They didn't score right at the uh, goal line. And then Baker, uh, Baker came back, and he seemed to perform just fine. Mm-hmm. Some of that may have also been Kyle Trask. Like, there's a reason why he's uh, oh my not the starter yeah. there, uh, despite what probably should have happened with a young quarterback. Uh, so that's a thing there. And and look, when it comes to the Panthers, like, where where's the emotional boost supposed to come from? Like, if everything has been this dysfunctional for a long time, is that Reich's fault? Is it some assistant's fault? Or is it just a universal problem that's not going to get fixed just because of a couple of firings? Like, I don't know how you're supposed to get out of the doldrums just because a few guys were let go. Like, yeah, you might have looked up to them or you may not have liked them. I don't think it really matters here. Like, what matters is that you've played terribly, and that's not going (laughs) to get fixed overnight. So I think that, Mm -hmm. you know, is the bigger deal more than anything else. Uh, Shall we talk about the 49ers and the Eagles? This number has moved to uh, Eagles plus three at home. It is a juiced plus three at minus 120 per bet MGM with a total of 46 and a half. Obviously, this is the game of the week and something that we'll talk about with Brad Spielberger uh, coming up in our next segment. Uh, but Joe, what do you make of uh, this line move, given that we did see two and a halves for a little while? Okay, yeah, so and there are juiced threes, but... I also see a one and a half out there, a juiced one and a half on the San Francisco side. Mm. There's a lot of games being played uh, right now. And there are, there are juiced two and a halves. And and now it's, man, the market has yet to settle. That's my Mm -hmm. big takeaway from this. I'm really curious where this ends up going. Um, It's, it feels like we're far away from settling in on this. Like there are some books making the decision that, you know, we need a little dog money. So we're going to post a three right now. And we don't mind juicing that a little bit. And there are some that are fine just sitting at two and a half or going shorter than two and a half. And they're going to, they want to take some of that public money that's going to come in on, on, I don't know where the public money's going to come in on. It's like, yeah, I'm about to say, I'm, it's I weird. Know. We we know all the sharp money. It, we know all the sharp money is is on San Francisco. I'm assuming right. the public money's going to be on the dog. We'll see, but it's way too early to to uh, to say. Yeah, gosh, this is a tough one. I I really don't have a strong opinion on this one yet. I mean, the 49ers have been able to present some problems, but it's just the Purdy thing, I think, for me. And then Jalen Hurts, is he hurt or not? Like, maybe he's okay. 
I'm just not a hundred percent sure. There's so that has me kind of confused. I feel like the Eagles could win this by a touchdown, but maybe I'm just too high on the Eagles right now. I think I need to know more about Jalen Hurts and like his injury. Is he going to be able to run the ball? Probably not. I'm probably just early lean. I'll be on the Eagles side. It is interesting, Aaron. Like, it feels like we talk about this every single week. Like, not just us, but universally. Like, what is Jalen Hurts' status? Like, how healthy is he, et cetera, et cetera. Like, it's almost as though, like, if we talk about it enough times every week that we just have to accept that it is what it is and we're just not going to know and he's just always going to probably be out there. And, you know, maybe they have reserves from (laughs) – Yeah, that's just it. I mean, that's just it. Like, (laughs) maybe you're getting a 60 to 70% Jalen Hurts, and he's still able to win. He's still able to convert fourth and shorts. And that's just the reality of it. Like, he's not going to suddenly become 100%, you know, after one week. Like, this may just be a nagging thing that we're going to see all the way into the playoffs. Yeah, it kind of feels like that's who this Philly team is. Like, it's not going to be pretty, but they're somehow getting the job done. Right. Somehow, some way, it's just what they do. And it's, you know, it is fascinating, too, by the way, that with the Eagles, like, yeah, the metrics have not been as impressive this year compared with last. But doesn't it also feel like that the schedule's been way, way tougher on them? And they're still finding ways to oh, yeah. win. Like, like Joe, how do you balance those two things where, yeah, team strength, not as good, but you're more impressed by who they've taken down? Well, that, but uh, keep in mind, that is a recent development because the first half schedule was extremely soft. So, yeah, they've uh, risen to the occasion Dallas, KC, Buffalo. So now let's see San Francisco, Dallas. I mean, that's what the pros are saying. Like, they can't keep it up. They've been on the field so much. They just had a short week and now they just played a five quarter game almost. Like, it, and and that's why we are where where we're at. Uh, I would be surprised, guys, if this closes three. I think it's going to close short of three, that they're just taking some dog money right now. That's fair. No, I, that, that makes total sense to me. Nice. I, you know, I don't have a feel for but it. I'll wait. But, yeah. No, <laughs> I, I think it's a good plan. No, it, no there are a few of these games that wait. I'd rather. If you are... like Philly, you might not want to wait. Because I don't mm-hmm. think it's going to be three. But I could be wrong. Okay. You don't want to wait for your life to be over. No, no, no. <laughs> No, no, nothing. No, let's not. Yeah, why not? Why not? I've been in a 90s mood lately. I can't I can't quite put my finger on it. Uh, Any other lines uh, here, Joe, that stand out as far as some key moves? Uh, What's happening with the Cardinals and the Steelers? It's kind of interesting. It's like, what do you believe Mm -hmm. from the Steelers? Was there really a change with this offense or or what? Or is it the same old, same old? The number has come down. So why are people backing the Arizona Cardinals? That's, I guess it's just, look, it's still Kenny Pickett. Should he be favored by this much? But, you know, matchup-wise, the Cardinals, they can't stop you. So I think that one's pretty interesting. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, Brad Spielberger tells us how to bet on the game of the week between the Niners and Eagles. That's right here on the BetQL Network. We'll be right back with BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM, with Joe Ostrowski, Ed Egros, and Aaron Hawksworth on the BetQL Network.
BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM with Joe Ostrowski, Ed Egros, and Aaron Hawksworth from BetQL. I know Christian Watson's done basically nothing all season long, but he's not on the injury report. He is a guy who can pop off and have an 80-yard catch at any moment. I like him 7-1 to one to lead this game in receiving yards in this noon kickoff. Welcome back to Becky Wall Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. And joining us now, as he does each and every Wednesday, is Brad Spielberger of Pro Football Focus. Brad, we got to talk about what happened last week uh, in that Packers-Lions game as Christian Watson lost out on being the game's receiving leader at 7-1 by one yard to Amon Ra St. Brown. Is this the worst beat of the year for you? Oh, it mm. is. Uh, it was definitely frustrating, definitely annoying. You know, it was interesting because a part of the analysis there was game script, and that was obviously not accurate, you know, with how the game ultimately played out. We just got a very strong, you know, first drive. He probably had 50, 60 receiving yards on the scripted plays. And then the, the you know, the, the game script actually worked against us there. I hope people also took some other bets. I did play an 80-plus yarder, too, so I kind of came out like net even. Um, not even a little bit up, but anyway – uh unfortunately the, the specific bet we talked about was a loser by a yard uh that, that was tough to swallow well let's just keep it with green bay because they've got a big matchup against the chiefs and this numbers come down a little bit goes from seven inside that key number of seven down to six and a half uh so green bay are you buying what is what is it is it the schedule softening up a little bit but then you know you come out with that detroit win uh, is it more that we should look at what the defense is doing as they were just heating up uh, Jared Goff last Thursday, man. Yeah, against a really good offensive line that's been playing, you know, at the top of their game. And Rashawn Gary continues to get healthier, play more snaps, and still be remarkably efficient as an edge rusher. I mean, beating a guy like Panay Sewell pretty consistently in this game. You know, Taylor Decker's a good player as well, not quite Sewell level, but he beat them both. And I think. That is going to show up against Donovan Smith and uh, Jawan Taylor in this Chiefs matchup as well. You know, those guys have struggled this year, but also in particular, the bendier, speedier edge rushers, the stand-up guys like Rashawn Gary have given them fits. It's why, you know, Jawan Taylor stands, you know, offset from the line of scrimmage almost. And there's all this, you know, false start talk and all these things. It's these type of guys that give him trouble. So as it relates to buying Green Bay, I also think, yes, because really – they were shooting themselves in the foot a lot of the time with, look, every single pass catcher on this team is a sophomore or a rookie. Uh, you know, like you have a young offensive line getting a bunch of starts that are also first year or second year players. And of course, Jordan Love is learning the game. So I didn't think they were deficient in talent or they were as bad as they were during that losing streak. I also don't think they were quite as good as their hot start, but I think it's more just, you know, their penalties have gone down, their mistakes have gone down, guys are not running the wrong routes, and you're seeing fewer miscommunications. So, yeah, I think it's real. I think they are, you know, a, a plucky wildcard potential type team because they're just maturing in front of our eyes over the course of the season. Yeah, it's been fun to watch. I want to ask you about tomorrow night, Seahawks at Dallas. The Cowboys have been really good at home. We know that. But in my opinion, it's like, congratulations. You beat up on the Giants, Panthers, and Commanders. That's what you were supposed to do. It would be weird if you didn't do that. But on the flip side, what is going on with the Seahawks team? Like, I can't figure them out. They're on a two-game skid. Are they going to get up for this game, or is this just going to be another blowout? This spread, uh, eight and a half, nine, depending on where you're looking. 
what what interests you in this matchup tomorrow night? You know, I was a huge Seahawks backer coming into the year. Um, we probably talked about division futures, which are obviously dead, but even just, you know, eight and a half, you know, regular season win total, kind of a lie. They do have a pretty tough slate the rest of the season going forward. But it's interesting. Like, the offensive line has obviously been the, the bigger problem. They've had injuries. You got Jason Peters, you know, a legend, probably a Hall of Famer, but when your your right tackle's 42 years old, probably not the ideal setup for you, <laughs> um, you know, in today's NFL. And so it's going to be an interesting matchup with a team he used to play for uh, for a little bit in Dallas. And, of course, a guy like a Micah Parsons is going to give him fits. But to me, in particular in the Niners game, like I thought DK Metcalf played one of the worst games I've ever seen him play. I think JSN, the rookie, has just not really elevated this offense as much as you would like. Um, you know, has really – they've started to throw to him downfield. There's been more production there. But the first month or two of the season, he was just exclusively like a screen guy, underneath guy. You know, and that's not really what he was at Ohio State. I get he's a smaller player, but I just haven't liked how they've deployed him either. And maybe it's more him than them. So it's just like they're like, the good players they do have are just not playing to the level they need to. And then – the defense, we probably talked about it. I, I thought the Leonard Williams trade just – they got a pass because they had a good record when they made the trade. It, it was a dumb trade. It, it, the defense has been getting gashed since then. He's made no difference to the team, and they give up a second and a fifth-round pick for a rental player. You know, it, it's just funny. I know I'm, it's probably the Bears fan of me talking, but it was a bad trade that no one talked about because they were 6-3 and three when they made it. <laughs> Yeah, a bit of a trickle-down effect uh, when it comes to uh, all the problems the uh, Seahawks are experiencing right now. Let's talk about the game of the week here. 49ers and Eagles. The books can't agree on the number. Currently, BetMGM, uh, it's 49ers minus three, but it is a juice plus three for Philadelphia. Uh, when should we pounce on this? Should we pounce on this? Is there something else in this game that we should look at? Yeah, you know, I get why. I suppose I get why, you know, the Eagles at 10-1 and are still an underdog here. You know, the underlying metrics are not super strong for them at this point. The first half against Buffalo was ugly. I was actually in Philadelphia at the tailgate uh, and then had to drive home in the rain after standing in the freezing cold uh, and rain for yeah. the tailgate for, for a buddy's birthday party. But anyway, uh, that, that's irrelevant. So, like, <laughs> I, I do think, like, the slow start and the sloppiness of their offense – um, at least I understood it to a degree, but we've seen it too much at this point. Um, and so I understand why the Niners are a road favorite here. At the same time, you know, the Niners offensive line, like forget Brock Purdy, the offensive line still gives me concern. They are going to get the ball out super quick. They're going to attack these linebackers and put them in conflict over the middle and do all the things that they do. And that is a weak spot and a soft spot for Philadelphia in particular. So I get why the spread is what it is. I just come back to if the game script, it, it, they're, they're so game script dependent, where if they're down against Philadelphia in this matchup and have to throw the ball a bunch, hold on to the ball more, and, and sit back in pockets, I think you're going to see a lot of pressure from this defensive line. Um, I'm kind of waiting to see more health. Is Jalen Carter okay? Is Fletcher Cox okay? Is Lane Johnson going to play in this game? You know, Nick Bosa lines up on that right side or oppose, you know, opposite the right tackle uh, a ton. So, I'm kind of waiting here, but I don't hate the idea of teasing Philadelphia out to eight and a half. You know, I just don't see this game falling outside of a touchdown, no matter who wins it. Man, Brad, there are some disgusting point spreads to the point where you, you kind of need to consider the underdog, but I don't know that you want to pull the trigger. Like we've got 
games where it's like Tampa Bay, five and a half, six. Should should they really be favored by that number over any team? Like Pittsburgh, okay, you look good. You hit that 400-yard mark. But you know what? You should have scored a lot more points against Cincinnati. And really, should you be five, five and a half, six? Uh, that number's come down a little bit. The Chargers, as frustrating as they are, they're six-point favorites. Uh, I, you can call them ugly favorites or ugly dogs. Are you interested in any of these these lines where it's like it's really tough to lay that much, but it's also difficult to take these these offenses that can't move the ball? Yeah, no doubt about it. The, the one that jumps out to me, I think, is a bit of an overreaction because they got, you know, the, the break speed off them is the Arizona Cardinals plus five and a half against Pittsburgh. Um, you know, obviously the Rams killed them. I understand that they did not play well at all. Kyler Murray has not looked good so far, you know, but I think you are to a degree just betting on him, getting his feet under him and continuing to play better ball. He really has not scrambled much at all. Like forget design runs. He hasn't scrambled a ton. And so you almost are kind of taking a risk of betting he's going to do that in this game because he's going to need to, you know, against a very, very good Steelers defensive line. But I just come back to Pittsburgh secondary you know, outside of a Joey Porter Jr., maybe we get a Minka Fitzpatrick here, is not talented. It's not good. And I think you are going to see a Marquise Brown, a Michael Wilson, a Trey McBride. In particular, Trey McBride's probably a guy I'd keep an eye on for props. Um, the, the linebackers have been getting decimated with injury in Pittsburgh, and I think he'll be a focal point here. But but that is the dog. Among all those ugly dogs you just mentioned, um, I, I like Arizona plus five and a half here in this game. Broncos at Texans is interesting. A couple of teams on the outside looking in in terms of the playoff picture right now. This spread at three and a half, total 46 and a half, 47 and a half. Anything you like in this matchup? Yeah, this is a this is a jump on spot for me right away when it was at three on Sunday night. Uh, was the biggest bet of the week for me uh, on uh, you know the, the the Houston Texans <laughs> here, and, and so. You know, we've talked a bunch about the Broncos and, and, and kind of how they've looked the last couple of weeks. What, the five-game win streak right now? But um, one of the flukier five-game win streaks I, I think you'll see this season, the fumble recovery stretch they've had is insane. They've recovered nine fumbles over the last five weeks. I saw a stat. I, I should remember who the tweet was. But, oh, it was uh, Brett Coleman. 25% of opponent drives over the last five weeks against the Broncos have ended in a turnover. Um, which is insane. Wow. And, and you look at the underlying metrics of what they're actually doing. The Broncos offense is 20th in EPA per play over the last five weeks and 21st in success rate. Houston is third in yards per play over the last same five-game sample, um, trailing only Dallas and San Francisco. And then even brought the Denver defense, I get they're creating turnovers. They're playing better. They're 30th in success rate allowed over this five-game win streak in particular. Like, they're not even playing good football outside of all of the turnovers, which are going to regress back to normal. So I love Houston in this spot. I would still take it at three and a half. I, I think this is a, a, a big mismatch in this matchup. What are we supposed to make of the Cleveland Browns here? Because, yes, they have had quarterback issues seemingly all season long, but at least the defense was reliable. Well, guess what, folks? Defenses have variance, and they're not as predictable from one week to the next. And now tack on to that some key injuries here. What are your projections for the Browns going forward? They're taking on the Rams. They're three and a half point dogs. That's one thing. But the Browns, you know, they are still in playoff contention, I suppose. What are we supposed to make of them? 
Yeah, the Miles Garrett thing is a huge, huge concern. I know he's trending positive now, was wearing the sling for his shoulder, you know, right after the game, but it sounds like he's been, you know, the, the prognostic uh, the prognosis has been better going forward this week. But he's arguably the most important defensive player to any team in the NFL. He's probably the best defensive player in the NFL. Um, and, and so when you take him out, like I do like other pieces they have there, um, you know, on the defensive line, but also, of course, a good secondary. But at the same time, like Denzel Ward's been dinged up at times. They've had other injuries Miles Garrett would be absolutely destroying Alaric Jackson or whoever's playing right tackle for or left tackle for the Rams. But without knowing his full status, I, I struggle there. They could still find a way. I think they could still sneak in as a wild card. But yeah, they've been a quietly very healthy team outside of quarterback. Uh, Amari Cooper is also banged up, which is a massive concern for me. I don't know if I'm betting the Rams, but I'm certainly avoiding the Cleveland Browns just because of the uncertainty there. You know, we were taking a look at the uh, the top six teams in, in the odds board, and there's a massive drop-off for the Super Bowl. And it, it's tough, like, to, to go beyond that. Like, if you're not buying into the Lions right now with the way they're playing, especially defensively, I certainly understand that. And, okay, maybe you can make a case for the Bills. I've made a case for the Bills still making the playoffs, even though everybody left them for dead going into their bye. But if they make it, that's a team that is is very scary. I mean, it's the wildcard teams are terrible. Right. Like we we went into this year thinking, oh, the AFC is so deep. It's pretty bad on both sides. Um, Can you make a case where you think any team now we're saying beyond 10 to one. So after after that Dallas range, those top three teams in each conference, can you make a case for any of them making noise in the playoffs? Is there a team outside of the Bills that nobody would want to match up with early on? Yeah, there's only one to me because I agree. I think it is a clear top six in the NFL right now. And yeah, the AFC wildcards, I thought we were going to be like contenders and it's not looking that way at all. The only mm-hmm. one for me, and it's unfortunate because they just lost their left tackle and Cam Robinson for the next month or so, is still the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm probably clinging to a prior that I shouldn't and probably still like them more than I should, <laughs> um, in particularly because their pass protection has not been good enough. Um, and now they lose you know, their starting left tackle, who's a force in the run game, um, which also has been dreadful. Um, so I just think if they get back to health, I, I still am just a believer that right now they're being forced to because of poor protection. Lawrence has to get the ball out lightning quick, go to his first read. Beyond that, things are, are crumbling. And I also just think Cress Taylor, their offensive coordinator, is just not good at what he does. So it's kind of like hoping Doug Peterson takes over play calling, hoping they get healthy. But they're the one team on that list that I say, if they get hot, like they, they, they're talented and, and, and could go on a run. Because I agree, the rest of that list is, is not particularly intimidating in any way, shape, or form. Less than a minute left. Is there anything that you like that we left out um, for this week, whether it's tomorrow night or a prop? Yeah, the Detroit Lions, I know I just said I don't view them as a contender, but I I do like a bounce-back game against the Saints here. A ton of injuries in New Orleans. We know Michael Thomas is out. Olave's dinged up. Rashid Shahid's dinged up. Um, You know, guys on defense, you you no longer have your top corner in Marshawn Lattimore either. I think it's a great get-back spot. In particular, this defensive line in New Orleans, you saw it against Atlanta. Just got leaned on. And particularly the interior. The guys are just not good enough. And so I think you're going to see a Ben Johnson – take the ball out of Jared Goff's hands, run the ball 40 times, and just pound it down their throat. Um, and then, you know, Derek Carr in the Saints offense is, is hard to watch. So uh, I, I like the Detroit Lions minus four here. 
Last question for you. Uh, it wasn't lost on me that you're wearing a Tulane shirt right now. We have an American Conference Championship game between your Green Wave and my SMU Mustangs. I would expect trolling from Joe and Aaron, but you too, Brad. You know, I, I wish I did it on purpose. Hey, you know my brother went to SMU. It's a family rivalry as well. So, That's right. you know, it's, it's a great matchup. Uh, roll wave, baby. Brad Spielberger, <laughs> Pro Football Focus, thank you so much for your time. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, our plays for championship week in college football right here on the BetQL Network. by BetMGM with Joe Ostrowski, Ed Egros, and Aaron Hawksworth from BetQL. For the win, it is good! Washington survives Apple Cup insanity! Welcome back to Make You All Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. Time to talk about championship week in college football. And let's start with what we are calling the college football playoff quarterfinals between Oregon and Washington. The Ducks are nine and a half point favorites with a total of 66 and a half. Joe, how are you playing it? Ooh. Yeah, I mean this is this is huge. I I was annoyed. Uh, you were annoyed by the panel. I was annoyed last night that they were not saying like, "Look, this is what it is. A Pac-12 team is going in. The winner. It's going to be Oregon or Washington. Whichever team wins, they're going to be in the playoff." And oh, by the way, guys, we have a sports book here at ESPN. This is a massive story. It's the the line's almost ten. The team that lost is favored by almost 10. Like I, I couldn't believe. I know we're in the sports betting world, but I couldn't believe that they weren't even addressing it. It took 25 minutes for Reese Davis to even mention it, uh, kind of like under the radar, quickly going to break. Because uh, like I would think that would spark some sort of an argument. Because you look at a team that's mm-hmm. undefeated, like, really? Are they They're playing on a neutral field. Are they that much better? Then Washington, we know Washington, they have a poor defense, and they haven't been playing up, up to par lately. They just uh, snuck by uh, last week once again. Like, we've seen that a bunch, but uh, I, I don't know. I thought that would I, – I think it's the biggest story going into the weekend, not just because we're a, a sports betting network, that people that look at this and they're like, look, 
yeah, Oregon lost to them, but they are so much better. They are so much better than Washington, and that's what the number's telling us. And, uh, you know, Oregon, nine of their 11 wins this year are by double digits, and I think we're going to see another one on Friday night. Give me the Ducks laying nine and a half before this gets to 10. Mm. Mm-hmm. I love the Ducks, too. I also like a first-half spread. Uh, bet that as well. I thought in the first matchup, you know, Washington wins by three points. I thought Oregon could have won that game. You take a look at Michael Penix. What has happened to him? He's not the same quarterback that he was in the first half of the season. The last couple games, he has thrown for 162 and 204 the last couple weeks. That is not good. He needs to be that dude that we saw in the beginning of the season, uh, not the one that we've seen the last couple weeks. Oregon's defense is giving up 15.8 yards per game. The Ducks have the best scoring defense in the Pac-12 and the best scoring offense. I mean, I just like Oregon all away around. Washington's defense, I think, is really going to have to step up in this game, and maybe that can help them keep the Huskies in it. But I like the Ducks, guys. I will be fading both of you. Uh, I'm backing the Huskies oh. here to cover. I don't have them winning outright. I, I don't see that at all. But it, you guys are parents. Like, I, I love your take on this uh, since I don't have any kids. Uh, but let's say you guys are having an argument with your kiddos. And let's say you're losing this argument. Now, you're the parents. So you're still the one with the power because you have the roof and all that stuff. And when you're losing this argument, all you can say is, fine, fine. You made your point. You made your point. We're done. Like, I know this is something that my mom used to tell me all the time when I was a kid, when I would win an argument that, okay, I'm winning it, but like, I'm not going to get the grace of, wow, that was a really good argument. Well done. That's kind of how this feels to me where, yeah, like Oregon is a better team. Fine. Like the first matchup really doesn't matter all that much, but are we just out of control with this spread now that we are overdoing it to the point where, okay, you've made your point. Oregon is better, but they're not that much better. Like Washington's still a good football team, but the number's just too big here. That game that they did win, you know, Oregon did outgain them by 125 yards. It was what happened on fourth down when they go 0 for 3 there. And, you know, they ran on them for 200 plus yards. What what would you what would you where would you say no I'm not going to take the points is seven more fair than knocking on ten I I would probably have it seven six and a half like okay. at that point then I would say Oregon you know lay the points but to me like all the strengths that Oregon uh, possess like okay yeah Oregon's a better football team in a lot of ways but they're not that much better Bo Nix is better he's having a better season but Michael Penix is not far behind. Duck defense, sixth in EPA per pass allowed. Huskies are 15th. Oregon may have the coaching advantage here, but it's not that much better. I think this is just something where the spread's too big. And at the end of the day, that's really all I care about. I wouldn't say Michael Penix has fallen off a cliff, but some of those advanced metrics, like, isn't Mm -hmm. like the beginning of the season baked into that because his numbers the last couple weeks are not impressive. And against this high powered Ducks offense, I would be worried. And the defense, sometimes the Huskies defense looks good. And then sometimes I'm watching them and they just seem a bit lost. So there needs to be Mm -hmm. more consistency on that side of the ball. 
Yeah, I mean, there's no question that Washington has the ability to keep up with them offensively. It's just that mismatch of the Ducks offense against the Washington defense is is why we got to this number, and that's what and that's why I think they're going to cover that number. Um, but you know, as far as Washington. They do play in a lot of one-score games. And that's why people are down on them a little bit with the numbers. Like, hey, look, they've won all these one-score games. They're 6-0 in one-score games this season. But, um, yeah, and so that's not going to continue. The idea is that's not going to continue. And, okay, it's it's all going to come to a head here in this matchup. But, yeah, you know, they should get some credit for being in every game. You know, I mean, they ha- they still have not lost yet, but the problem is that's not a lot of numbers would tell you that's not a top 50 defense and that's going to be a problem. I do think though, that you know, when you're looking at this, sometimes we can over-exaggerate key points. And I, I think that's kind of how I'm looking at it here that mm-hmm. Oregon's better, but Washington's not too bad either. Let's move on now to the SEC championship game between Georgia and Alabama. Georgia, five and a half point favorites come down from six. Total 53 and a half. That's come down from 54 and a half. Joe, what do you see here? Yeah, I like uh, I like the favorite in this one too. I'm surprised that we're not higher at this point in the weekend. Maybe we, we'll get there to six and a half, knocking on seven by the time we get to Saturday. But uh, just, yeah, I I expected this to be be higher so getting it inside of six i love where the number's at right now and you know i'm not sure we're going to be there it's not your typical bama team you know we're, we're used to that with the strong rushing offense and they do not have that this year um and, and offensively is where we want to praise georgia more than anything that that's why they're number one overall and just in where we expect bama to be so tough in the trenches year after year they're not that team this year. They're not great against the run either. So, um, yeah, I think I think George is going to cover the number. Hmm. I don't have a strong opinion on the side yet, but I'm leaning first half under right now. Maybe this is a slower start. You know, both of these teams a lot on the line and – you know, they're trying to figure each other out more of a defensive battle. Georgia also, I was looking at this, I thought it was interesting, has struggled in the red zone more than Alabama has. Georgia has had 68 attempts for 45 touchdowns, whereas Alabama 32 touchdowns in 45 red zone chances. So maybe Alabama does get something going in the red zone and that could help them keep it closer. But right now I'm just going to bet the under. The, the scrambles and design runs, I have to believe, have something to do uh, with that red zone success for Alabama because they've been oh so good at that. But I'm fading the idea that this is going to be a lower scoring game. I think the play here is the over. I think the total's going in the wrong direction here. I think part of it might be reputation. I mean, Joe, you mentioned like this isn't your usual Alabama team. I don't think this is our usual Georgia team. Like you think of right. Georgia, you think of these first round NFL guys pretty much at every single level where they are stopping everything in their way. I don't see that. I You might have some NFL talent there. Like, that's fine. I'll admit that. But this is not a Georgia defense that's just stopping everybody. I think it's the Georgia mm-hmm. offense. I think that's what's made them oh so effective. You look at how they mm-hmm. performed the last five games, seven and a half yards per play. It took a while for Georgia's offense to get going, but I think it has gotten going now. Yeah, EPA per rush, it's outside the top 40, but the passing attack is still excellent. 
Jalen Milrose scrambles and design runs and all of that good stuff. I think that will also be interesting where Alabama can keep up in that regard. Don't necessarily have a play on the side, though certainly one path to this is that Georgia just scores a ton of points. You can certainly see that happening. But mm-hmm. as far as the total goes, I think this will be a higher scoring game. Yeah, I, I think that's a play. Georgia in the over. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, let's move on now to the ACC championship game. Uh, Louisville, Florida State, Knowles, despite not having Jordan Travis, still two and a half point favorites with a total of 48 and a half. Joe, what do you like here? Man, what Louisville team's going to show up? I know everybody's focusing on the Knowles and the quarterback situation, but, you know, Louisville does have some impressive wins this year. I believe that was a shutout against Duke, and they just, they smashed Notre Dame. They were ready for them when when the Irish came there and what they did to Sam Hart. That reminds me of a certain Becky Court segment that you did. Yes, Hmm. yes. Um, (laughs) And it's but lately they're not stopping anybody. So it's like which team is going to show up in this matchup now? Uh, it, it's a damn shame, man. If we have that, how different the conversation is if we don't have that Travis injury. Where where are they in the playoff rankings last night for Florida State? Yeah. Because they're as balanced as anyone. Like we might be making the case, like I know they're in the weaker conference, but maybe they should be closer to one or two, even though they just don't have that great win. And so now they're going to go game manager route. I mean, they certainly did. Rotomaker had what 134 passing yards in Mm -hmm. a pretty close game against Florida on Saturday. So it's a tough one. There's a reason it's uh, it's inside of three. I'm going to take Louisville, guys. I think they're going to win this one. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I was thinking just take Florida State. I don't know which Louisville team is going to show up either. I don't have a strong opinion on this one just yet, but if I had to bet today, I would just bet Florida State. Take the favorite. So if Louisville wins, who's getting into the playoff, Joe? I don't know. <laughs> uh, is it, I don't. Is Ohio State dead? That's the question. Are we They're sure Ohio dead, State's dead. dead? No, we're not. But Are you sure, boy, I, I don't know. I I, yeah. I think they are because I think Texas can do it, but. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Come back to me. I'll have an answer. Coming up next, Matthew Friedman joins us with all of his favorite NFL bets for the coming weekend. That's right here on the BetQL Network.